0: You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, this week we get to hear from the Biden administration about what a great job they're doing, which will be like living in an alternate universe tomorrow. You can be sure of that. Uh, they're making making uh, sure for all of us that the economy is limping back to where it was before the pandemic. They're making Uh, Every preparation possible, it seems they're they're taking every step uh, to move money around to engage in fairness slash equity, which is a fancy way of talking about Marxism. And they're going to be raising taxes. They're going to be hurting businesses. This is what socialists do. I know they're Democrats, but they're actually socialists. Just look at what they want. Look at what they would do if they could get away with it. Got to get ready for all this stuff. One way to do it is with gold and silver. You know, you can actually have gold and silver delivered to your door or placed directly in your IRA or 401k tax and penalty free. That's right. I'm talking about real gold and silver in your hands or your retirement accounts. You know, the thing about gold is they can't just print it out of thin air. Why should you own real gold and silver? Because... They hold their value, especially when markets decline or fail. The Oxford Gold Group is the industry leader in precious metals offering gold and silver at the lowest prices on the market. It's the company I trust to put gold and silver into both my hands and into my IRA. The Oxford Gold Group will beat any competitor's price on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. Call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and request your free precious metals investment guide, 833 600 gold speak with the Oxford gold group today. They'll answer all of your questions and send you their precious metals investment guide Call the Oxford gold group, eight three, three, 600 gold. Why do the leftists insist that we suffer the consequences of running an experiment that we've already done in the past when it comes to law enforcement, our approach to police, the rule of law in this country, we, we have to suffer the consequences of their refusal to accept reality, to see what's really going on, or to learn from history. In this country, we went through a period, the 70s into the 80s, into the 90s, uh, when it finally turned around, where the general feeling was that crime was a social issue, a societal construct, if you will. We were all responsible for criminality in one way or another, even if we didn't commit any crimes, it was collectivized guilt, and therefore we couldn't really punish criminals. We, we always needed to find a way to try to rehabilitate or reform or just excuse. And this led to flight in large numbers from uh, major American cities. People realized they no longer wanted to be in a place that they couldn't feel safe, especially when. The left-wing states and left-wing cities were defunding uh, the, the police and disarming individual citizens, right? So fewer cops, less, uh, less lawful gun ownership going on, which I have to specify that because the criminals always can get guns. You want to get a gun illegal? It's not hard, all right? A gun is not a piece of plutonium. It's not that difficult to get your hands on it, as we all know. And yet we're going through this madness because we've had a period here of relative safety and security in this country of national crime numbers and homicides going down. And Democrats have decided, you know what, let's just start to replace common sense with virtue signaling and let's decide that cops are the problem. There are 330 million plus people in America and in any given year. You have a few hundred people who are shot and killed by police nationwide. That's a very, very small number. You've got 15 to 20,000 homicides, depending on the year. You've got a few hundred shootings involving police. And yet there is a fixation, an obsession on the part of the Democrat Party, the left, and the corporate media, the uh, civilizational arsonists of our time, uh, with just Focusing on the cops is the problem and everything else as irrelevant. Everything else as secondary. Even the truth, as we see, even when we look at the situations that are unfolding where we're told, oh, look, oh, here's another bad cop. Well, that's not really true. Doesn't matter. It's a narrative. Well, here's a cop who did something awful. Hold on a second. Did the cop do something bad? If that's the case, we want the person to be punished. But what is the proof? show us what does the evidence indicate ah there's still a narrative though the narrative does not change even when the facts do and that's very damaging something to keep in mind as we go forward here now the latest case involves uh, uh, for the blm movement and the democrat left involves a man named andrew brown andrew brown was shot and killed by police officers Uh, Last week in Elizabeth City. Okay, so this is is a place uh, in it's a city of North Carolina. And and this is a situation where there's going to be body camera footage released. Now, 20 seconds of body camera footage has already been shown to the family and to the lawyers for the family for Andrew Brown. There have been protests. People are out the street protesting over this individual and they don't know anything. All they know is a black man was killed by law enforcement and they assume this must be nefarious. It must be criminal. And it's time for more protests and perhaps even more riots, depending on how this goes. There are still some people out there in I mean, there are considerable numbers of them who think that there should be justice for Makia Bryant. We're still talking about this. When any rational, reasonable person who sees the facts, sees the broad daylight, up-close video of what happened, knows that was the McKee O'Brien shooting was a lawful shooting, which is another way of saying the cop did nothing wrong. And in fact, the cop saved a life by taking a life. That's what you saw in the McKee O'Brien shooting. Was there any apology given? Did LeBron James, did any of the celebrities that immediately jumped to demonize that law enforcement officer, did they say, sorry, maybe we should have thought a little bit more about this? No, no, because it's about power. This isn't about justice. This is about different groups that find this to be an easy way to make demands of society to mobilize for the causes that they view as as important, whatever they may be, political causes, that is. And anything that gets in the way of this, any facts that come up that are counter to the narrative are discor- are discarded right away. Now, the family is saying, show us all the body camera footage. Well, here's what we know so far about this case. Uh, you have eight cops who are attempting to serve a search warrant on a A drug dealer, a long known drug dealer named Andrew Brown, whose criminal record stretches, according to the Daily Mail, 180 pages long. This is a career criminal. This is an individual who breaks the law over and over again. Now, we still need to know what happened in the lethal force incident here. But this is not a person who it would be reasonable to assume was doing nothing wrong. And there was no problem here. And he was just shot out of racism or systemic racism or whatever the latest left wing explanation is that that's not a a reasonable belief based on what we know so far. The fact that the family is saying they haven't seen enough of the body camera footage also leads me to believe that they don't have the grounds based on those 20 seconds that have been shown. They don't have the grounds to claim that this was a uh, an illegal shoot, essentially. Here's what is likely to have happened. He was in the car. They say his hands were on the steering wheel. They say, don't move, don't move. And he made a movement that made the officers think that he was going for a weapon. He is a career criminal. And so they fired. That is the likely circumstance here. Now, I haven't seen the video. It hasn't been as I speak to you, at least it has not yet been uh, released. But I think it's very important to understand that we we can't go through this every week as a country where there's a shooting and we only hear about shootings that involve uh, black men and cops. You'll notice that there are more white men killed by cops in America every year than any other race. But the only police involved shootings that get attention involve African-Americans. The media folks in, oh, a black man was shot by cops. This is a national news story. What are the facts? Oh, doesn't matter. It must be systemic racism. Then the facts come out. We find out. Hold on a second. Maybe this case was entirely justified as a shooting. And then they just move on to the next one. Still angry, still using the same slogans, making the same claims about police. None of this comes without cost. We are watching in real time as the narrative of left wing activists of the Marxists within the Democrat Party, who largely run the the spiritual side, if you will, of the Democrat Party, who are in charge of mobilizing the shock troops of the Democrat Party. Uh, People are suffering because of the ideas that are being pushed by the left. There is rising crime, violent crime, rape, murder, theft, home invasion, car theft, you name it in cities across the country. Why would this be happening? In fact, given the year we've just gone through with covid, crime should be far down, right? It should be it should be way lower than it would be in a normal year. But that's not happening. Why? Because we're causing police to think twice before doing their jobs. They know they're not getting they're not being backed up. They know all it takes is someone to take a video of them and to say that, oh, look, here's another cop doing something racist. That person's life could be ruined. That cop's life could be ruined. And this is all cause and effect. It's It's as clear as can be. The Democrat Party is doing everything it can to eradicate common sense as an approach to public policy. They're just forgetting about the most obvious things like cops keep us safe. That doesn't mean that all cops are good. It doesn't mean there are times when cops go too far. But in our society, police provide a, a critical service. Most people would view cops as really the, the most important civil service, uh, civil servants out there. And yet Democrats are undermining them. You'll notice they talk about high crime communities. They talk about what's going on in certain minority communities across the country in major cities. They never address any problem publicly there's never any marches about anything except cops are bad. It's the cops' fault. I mean the sky high rates of drug use, of poverty, of of uh, broken families, of all sorts of dysfunction, and all we ever hear about is it's the cops' fault. Look at what the cops are doing. It's a distraction. It's a distraction that's very politically powerful on the left uh, because it also avoids people looking at things like, why are the public schools so crappy in a lot of uh, predominantly minority neighborhoods of the country? Why haven't welfare programs eradicated uh, poverty as they have always claimed they would? Why haven't affirmative action programs alleviated the achievement gap, let's say, What, what what's What's really working? What's not in our society? No, we can't have those discussions. We're not allowed to. It's just about racist cops. That's what they'll tell you. It's wrong. It's damaging. It makes everything worse for everyone. But that's really the the calling card of the BLM movement and the way the Democrat Party leverages it, weaponizes it for political purposes. All it manages to do is make everything worse for everyone.
1: Now, the police body cam footage of that incident appears uh, to show uh, Bryant lunging at two separate people with a knife when she is shot. Uh, That is different, obviously, than what happened with Dante Wright. Do you think you jumped to conclusions there when you when you characterize things the way you did in that video we just played?
2: No, it is still a tragic loss. It's uh, life that is that is lost. Um, We actively work. Uh, in trying to, you know, create, um, opportunities, uh, for tragedies like this not, not to take place. Um, and so I, I did not, uh, mischaracterize. I think people oftentimes read, uh, into these statements that we make, uh, into ways to, to sort of vilify us. And, and I don't know how you can't look at um, the the loss of a 16 year old life um, as not a loss, and how you can look at uh, a police officer who ends up um, using their their weapon to take a life as not being a tragedy in in our community.
0: Notice that she doesn't feel badly for initially jumping. That was uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar doesn't feel who's an immigrant to this country. And seems determined to tear this country down at every opportunity you know, fled fled Somalia, came to America, is now a member of congress, and that's because america's so America's such a racist, awful place, right? Somehow she manages to become a member of Congress as an immigrant to this country as a as a uh, a woman born and raised in in Africa, but she's there to always remind us how awful and racist america is that's that 's what she views as. Her mandate, I suppose Um, she was wrong about this cop. Um, It was a justified shooting. You can't stab somebody to death in front of a cop. Sorry, libs. We have some rules that we will still adhere to in society. There are there are still some truths that no matter how much CNN somebody watches, no matter how many times they get retweets of their idiocy online, we all still know that it's wrong to stab someone to death. Even if you're only 16 and that people who can stop you from doing that should do that. But their impulse was on display. The left's anti cop rage was on display for all to see right away. Oh, a black girl is killed by a police officer. It must be racist. He's racist. Accountability. LeBron James says LeBron James is a moron. Is that surprising to any of you? LeBron James is good at playing basketball, which is a form of entertainment. That's it. This is not somebody you should listen to about anything else. I'm happy to see that finally it's sinking in that the whether it's the Oscars or LeBron James or these people are trying to destroy what is best in our country all the time. Hollywood celebrities, woke actors, woke sports uh, sports stars. And they should be held accountable for their stupidity. But Ilhan Omar is not done. Throw throw a little more gasoline on the fire of uh, of discontent and, and a overly racialized American discourse about law enforcement and and everything in our society. Now, everything has become overly racialized. The left does this. It used to be. You see, why do we call the Marxists? Why do I refer to them as Marxists? Because the way that in Marxist uh, in Marxist doctrine, the way that you gain power is by pulling the people, pulling people apart based on class warfare. Well, now we have racial division instead of economic division as the primary means of turning society inward on itself to benefit the power of those who are dishonest about what's really happening. And here's Ilhan Omar talking about uh, Derek Chauvin and she used uh, used the word play 18
1: a new poll finds that nearly half of Republicans think the jury and the Derek chauvin trial uh, reached the wrong verdict uh, these numbers are stunning why do you think that is
2: because uh, there there has been you know so many uh, people who've been uh, spinning um, what. what happened to George Floyd and what the ultimate cause of his death was. Uh, we now know um, that it was murder. Uh, and, you know, we didn't uh, need to be told um, by the jury with that guilty verdict. Uh, many of us saw that video and witnessed a lynching uh, take place, you know, throughout. Uh, the summer and uh, up to the um, court hearing, uh, we all thought it was eight minutes and 26, 46 seconds, uh, right. and we ultimately uh, know that it was nine, nine more than nine minutes. Uh, and I don't really um, know how we move forward as a society where there is uh, a particular segment um, that that believes that that is a justifiable thing for a police officer uh, to do and that they should not be held accountable.
0: She called it a lynching. As if he just wanted to kill George Floyd out of racial hatred. That's what she says about Derek Chauvin. I, I wonder what she, which is just outrageous. I wonder what she would say about Justine Damond. How many of you even remember her name? Killed. No reason. Call the police about a, a noise complaint, basically. And a Somali-American immigrant who was on the police force, uh, Mohammed Noor, shot her in the chest. Killed her. No trial for him. You probably didn't even remember Justine Damon's name, did you? Why? Because the media didn't care at all. I had some fun yesterday pulling old tweets uh, that I've put out there. Let's see. We had November 29th, 2020. So in in November of last year, I wrote outdoor mask mandates are abject idiocy. I thought that was a good one. Here's one from June of 2020, a year ago. Mask wearing for the healthy outdoors in summer is absurd and not rooted in science. This is so weird because I don't have an M.D. or a degree in microbiology or anything else. I'm not I'm not an expert, so. Why is it? How is it that I knew that this was lunacy, outdoor mask mandates, and the CDC is just figuring that out now? Well, we'll we'll get to that in a moment. These days, I'm trying to spend more time on those things where you can just enjoy yourself a little bit. And I'm also eating healthier than I have in a while because I realize how important it is to. Uh, make sure that you're fueling your body and you're putting the right kind of stuff into it. And if you're like me and you're just a real carnivore, you got to get a Moink box. Moink is amazing. This is grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and it's de- de- uh, delivered directly to your door. So when you sign up at moinkbox.com slash buck, you'll get a year of ground beef for free and then you pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. Change what you get each month. Cancel anytime. You know, Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who's actually featured on Shark Tank. Kevin O'Leary, the host, said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted. I got to tell you, I agree. I'm a bacon snob. Moink bacon is amazing. I made a whole Moink chicken recently. Oh my gosh, it was so juicy and flavorful. And I'm making a Moink ribeye this weekend. Already looking forward to it. I'm, I'm thinking about it every day. Join the Moink movement right now. Go to moinkbox.com slash buck. That's M-O-I-N-K, M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash buck. Listeners to this show will get a free, uh, get free ground beef for a year. All right? M-O-I-N-K, moinkbox.com slash buck. They'll deliver the best meats you've ever had, chicken, pork, salmon, steak, all the ribeyes, the fillets, incredible stuff right to your door. Put it in your freezer. You'll have it there whenever you need it. Moinkbox.com slash buck.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, frankly, outdoor mask mandates should just go regardless of whether you're vaccinated. Um, There are a lot of locales and states that still have blanket mask mandates. So even if you live in a suburban area or rural area where you don't see that many people, there's still mask mandates in place that does not make any sense so i actually think outdoor mask mandates can go but i also think that we can do a lot more with specifically incentivizing vaccination including allowing businesses to come back at full capacity if they're checking for proof of vaccination
4: so i mean is it there i mean it's interesting to me that you say if wearing a mask outdoors that there's not much point i mean that's essentially what you're saying is that i mean what about being close to somebody You know, walking down the street, isn't that a risk if they haven't been vaccinated?
3: I think the key at this point, Anderson, is that we have to think about reducing risk, not eliminating risk, because we're just not going to be able to live like that. We are seeing major portions of this country who are not yet vaccinated, who are already returning to doing everything they're doing pre-pandemic because our guidance, the public health guidance, is so disconnected from their everyday reality.
0: Well, hold on. Who does she sound like here? When she's talking about the risk outdoors, who who does she remind you? Oh, that's right. Me. And I'm not the only one I know, but some of us who have been telling you this for a year and just taking so much bile and nastiness and just threats from people all over the internet for telling them the truth. I am amazed at how many lunatics out there. How many CNN watching psycho libs become enraged when I'm advocating for them, for all of us to be able to breathe fresh air outside again? There was never data to support this. So let's ask the question. Let's dig into this. How did they get it so wrong? Why did it take so long? Why aren't they feeling apologetic at all for being such morons? Why don't the lockdowners feel shame for being so stupid? Why don't people like Anderson Cooper, who are supposed to work in the news business and speak truth and speak truth to power specifically, why don't they feel ashamed for being idiots? Oh, but what about outside walking past? eh, Wrong. It's never been a risk. Think about this. If you could get COVID by walking past somebody outdoors with one breath, 100% of the, of the country would have already been infected. Oh, by the way, what, what percentage do you think has been infected with all of our lockdown measures and all of our masks? At least a third, maybe half. They didn't tell you that at the beginning, did they? Oh, no, if you just do this, go with the lockdowns and shut down the businesses and mask up, you got to mask up, you got to put a mask over your face. I don't know what it is. The airlines are the most psychotic about this. I've I've been flying many times over the course of the pandemic and airline attendants, do, are they are they sent to solitary confinement if they're not if they're not mask fascists? I just you know, on the airlines, they're crazy. There's oh my gosh, put the mask up, put the mask up on you know, mask up between points. People all over the plane are eating and chewing and doing things, no mask. It's idiocy. It makes no sense, but it was about controlling you. And I told you this all along. And if you listen to this show, God bless you because you have known, you have been voting for the truth with every minute you listen to what I've said about this. You, the listeners of this show across the country, have been supporting me as I try to push back against the Fauciite insanity. And we get to take a little victory lap now. We were right. They were wrong. About outdoor masking, about school closures, about mask mandates in general. Oh, just go down the list. Go down the list about stay at home measures, about uh, bans on outdoor dining, indoor dining, all these things. Did nothing but add harm to an already very challenging situation. But you hear, I mean, Anderson Cooper is supposed to. He's this guy's a household name. You know, he's probably worth a couple of hundred million dollars at this point of CNN money. Never mind the money from the Vanderbilt family that he comes from. That he's a, he's a trust fund baby. That must be nice. Uh, he he can't figure out that. Outdoor masking is always stupid. That was Dr. Lena Wen. She was formerly the head of Planned Parenthood, so not a particularly ethical human being. Uh, But at least she is smart enough to get this one right. At least she can see that outdoor mask mandates are dumb. Now, she should have been saying this six months ago. Where are all the blue check MDs and MPHs and PhDs in microbiology? Where are they on this? This has been obvious all along. We've known this all along, but you have to remember Sturgis Motorcycle Rally Super Spreader event. Donald Trump, you know, outdoor rally super spreader event. BLM protests in the streets all across the country, people in close quarters, hundreds, thousands of them at a time, shouting and screaming at each other's faces necessary for public health reasons of protecting lives. Wait, what? That's what the blue check MD mafia was saying. Those blue check doctors, they showed us exactly who they were. The medical and public health community, unfortunately, has lost a lot of credibility here. I'm not talking about your frontline MDs and doctors who are just trying to deal with COVID. They're providing, obviously, a very necessary service. I'm talking about the people pushing the policies, the ones who are part of the discussion about government's role in this, because that's always where this was. I have never had any issue with individuals. You know, people want to stay home. They want to mask up. They want a double mask. They want a triple mask. Your health, your choice, right? The only thing that liberals really believe in when it comes to choice is the choice to kill babies in the womb, but uh, it's, it's their health. It's their choice. If people want to actually do that stuff, fine. You know, if they think that it's worth Constantly breathing in, you know, the the refuse of whatever you're breathing out all the time with these filthy masks that we all know we're wearing masks. That, who's wearing a fresh mask every day? Give me a break. No one is. And. We, we all know that this is gross and it's weird and it doesn't make sense. Um, but if you if you pointed that out, you're a bad person pointing out you're a bad person. But if somebody wants to do that, that's fine. My problem all along has been they want to make. The rest of us do it. They've made the rest of us do it. My problem is that I, as an immune person, okay, I'm immune. That doesn't mean there's no chance I could get this. Yes, I could be one of the, I think there have been a a 5,000 out of, you know, 50 million infections or something like that, or 50 million vaccinations or infections. A tiny, tiny percentage of people uh, get reinfected. You know, actually, I'll I'll give you the exact statistic. Breakthrough infections in the U.S., Astoundingly low out of 87 million fully vaccinated, 5,079 symptomatic breakthroughs. If you are vaccinated, your chance of having a symptomatic case of covid is point zero zero five percent. Your chance of dying from covid. You ready for this? If you're vaccinated, point zero 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 nine percent. If you're going to worry about that, you should never leave your home for any reason ever. People have just been all so emotionally overwrought with this. Oh, my gosh. Fauci says if I just wear the masks, you know what the truth is. We'll eventually look back at this, not only realize what madness this was, this period of time and how the left in the most cynical, despicable fashion Took a pandemic as a political opportunity, not only to beat Donald Trump, but to assert unprecedented control over our society and to turn millions and millions of people into sheep, whether we wanted to be or not. Every time I walk through the lobby of my building, feel like a sheep. I don't want to do it, but if I don't, they, they say I'm violating the terms of my lease. They're going to evict me. And for those of you who live in places where they don't really enforce masks, well, guess what? You better hope you don't have to get on an airplane anytime soon because they're crazy on airplanes. Better hope you don't have to go into a federal building or go into a major uh, you know, retail chain that's nationwide. All mask maniacs. All the time. Um, this has been an enormous failure and it's shameful what's going on here and we should all see this for exactly what it is. The left saw an opportunity to control people and to strap masks on your two-year-old and literally on two-year-olds, as you know, on two-year-old kids. Even though the data shows that it's very, very, very unlikely that a two-year-old is going to be under any real threat from this and it's very hard for them to give it to anybody else. They created this false, this false need for a zero risk from COVID society and used it to control everything and they were wrong and i'm not going to let this go i'm not also going to allow the people that were running around virtue signaling with their masks i mean joe biden's wearing masks on zoom calls folks like a psycho this is the president of the united states got to wear a mask you know a mask keeps me keeps me safe from you know the Electronic COVID, you know, the particles, you know, uh, no joke. They'll come right at you. You won't even see them like little UFOs flying through the sky, you know, just going through the air and go up your nose. You know, I got the, the blonde leg hairs and I got the white nose hairs and little COVID UFOs fly up there. And it's science, folks. Folks, it's science. Really? The dumbest president in history? It's possible.
4: The, uh, the message is clear. You're vaccinated. Guess, guess what? You get to return to a more normal lifestyle. If you're not vaccinated, you're still a danger. You're still in danger as well. So get vaccinated.
0: Uh, no, the message is not clear, actually. That's the HHS secretary. It's not clear at all. A more normal lifestyle. How much more? I still got to walk around with a mask on like an idiot. There's no reason for people who are vaccinated to walk around with masks on. None. It's ridiculous. It's wrong. It's unfair. They make you. You know why? Because they want to control you. Because the moment that it's, the moment people start seeing other human beings' faces on a regular basis, indoors in particular, the moment they start seeing that, then more people will just say, this is dumb, I'm, I'm done with this. They know that. They had to keep this as a universal mandate, no matter how stupid, no matter how annoying, no matter how useless it was for millions and millions of people, because it's about control. It's so obvious, isn't it? And uh, Becerra saying here uh, that, you know, that it's, it's clear. Um, it's not clear at all here. Play, play 14. He talked more about this
5: because I've often wondered, I'm outside by myself, nobody's around, why am I wearing a mask? So this would be very helpful to know. If you're vaccinated... Do you have to wear a mask outside or you don't have to wear a mask outside?
4: Well, we weren't born with masks, but we (laughs) want to be safe and we want to protect our loved ones. And so that's why we wear masks, right? We we put on our seatbelt. We don't expect that we're going to crash our car, but we want to be safe. That's what we're just trying to do is make sure everyone is safe. We want to get back to a normal lifestyle. We want to get our economy going, people back at work, restaurants open. You got to do that the right way. And masks help vaccinations important masks help. And so, even though I'm I'm vaccinated, I still wear a mask.
5: Exactly. So why do you, why do we have to do that if we're vaccinated? That's why I'm so confused. Because I keep yeah, well, hearing you don't have to wear it, but still, you could still pass it or you could still pass it along even though you've been vaccinated. That's why I'm I'm you, confused.
4: Yeah, the vaccine's done a really good job of making sure you, you'll not only be. Safe and healthy, but that you won't infect others. But still, we, you never know. And what you're trying to do is encourage others. We're going to get to a point where masks—we're we'll, going to hang or hang up uh, masks on our wall as, as you know, signs of what used to be. But until then, let's let's try to get to the point where we're back to normal.
0: So, you're encouraging people by wearing a mask after you've been vaccinated. That's that's virtue signaling. Look at me, look at me, I'm wearing a mask, everyone wears masks, yay, let's all wear masks. It's not not about the epidemiology. Look, the HHS secretary is not very smart, but put that aside for a moment. Look at the people that are involved in this Biden administration at the top level. A lot of morons, just going to say it, a lot of morons, a lot of really unimpressive people. And notice that there's just, he, he can't even get through that soundbite without blather and, and contradiction and, and absurdity and it just it makes any sense oh you know you got to do it we're going to get back to, when do we get back to normal what when does that happen exactly because they hold you to a zero risk standard to justify the masks now and we're never going to actually be at zero risk so when do we get to get rid of the masks answer when they tell you and that's the whole point Look, if there were a state that outlawed masks, I think I would move there. Uh, no, no, not not that doesn't require them outlawed it, outlawed it. That's what I want. I want a state that actually says you can't cover your face up outdoors and you can't mandate it if individuals want to do it themselves indoors, fine, but you can't mandate it inside outside. There are places used to have this as a public health risk. I'm sorry, a public safety risk, rather. You, you couldn't wear a mask because people need to know who you are. So I, I want a state that goes back to that and that says that a business cannot force you to cover up your face. And Remember, if they can force you to wear one mask, they can force you to wear two. Why not three? Why not goggles? We can play this game all day because it's stupid and it's wrong, but that wasn't, that wasn't enough to stop them from all this other stuff, was it? Feels good to be right. I'm just going to say that. It does feel good to be right. Now, they're not going to, they're going to act like, oh, no, it's because of the vaccine It's We're at this point with the vaccine. No, no. We all know what's really happened here. Look at Texas. Look at Michigan. Oh, the mask mandate. Yeah, sure. They're wrong. Fauci, that little fascist. Egomaniacal scum. He's put people through so much. I mean, just every time you see that guy, you should just think. There are three-year-olds on playgrounds outside that are breathing through a stifling mask because of that feckless little MSNBC loving coward. That's what you should think every time you see the vouch on television. Ah, the border. I was on Tucker's show last night talking about it, and I'm I'm trying to make it a, a bigger issue. I'm trying to get the word out even further about how it's just deteriorating it's getting it's getting worse all the time um but we're all now in this in this loop about fighting over individual law enforcement involved uh shootings and and you know battling the narrative of blm and all this stuff meanwhile it's going to be over 150,000 for the month of april it's going to be over 100,000 next month, probably over 100,000 a month after that. We're looking at a million people a year crossing the U.S. can't get the media to focus on it. Oh, I wonder why that is. I wonder why that is. But, you know, that's not a problem many of us can solve. There are problems you can, though, when it comes to your business. And that's why I want you to check out Bambi, because when you're running a business, HR issues can kill you. I mean, you've got wrongful termination suits minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. And as you know, HR manager salaries are not inexpensive. An average nationwide, about $70,000 a year. That's why you need Bambi. Bambi helps small business owners with their most complex HR issues and uh, employment nuances across all 50 states. Bambi matches you with your very own dedicated HR manager that you can easily reach by phone, chat, or email. And their dedicated HR manager at Bambi will know your business and your specific concerns. All right, it's month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash buck right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. Right now, bambi.com slash buck.
5: Uh, we certainly know that the number of people who are in facilities the reason we have been so focused on expediting moving kids out of these border patrol facilities is because we want to uh, reduce the public health impact uh, in these facilities and get them into spaces where we can do social distancing and when we can ensure these kids have access to health uh you know health and medical experts and educational resources so that's certainly and we've made some progress on that front even over the last few weeks since you got married I will say. Um, on that exact issue. So, look, but if a president or a vice president goes down and visits a facility like this, you have to potentially clear some parts out. There's a lot of security that comes. Our focus here is on solutions, on making progress, on moving these kids out of these facilities, on getting them connected with sponsor homes, with with family members if possible, and that's really where the president uh, president's focus is at this point.
0: So... Why can't Kamala Harris get to the border? Just wondering. Why, why can't the border czar actually get down to the U.S.-Mexico border? I'm I'm curious. They, they, they can't give us a reason? I mean, wh- what else does she really have to do? She's the border czar. They know that the facilities are overrun. They know that they're spreading COVID in these facilities all over the place. They know that people are gaming our immigration system in so many ways, isn't it important enough that the person who's tasked with trying to fix the problem would actually go and learn about it and see what's happening? I mean, this is on U.S. soil, folks. I'm not asking her to fly, you know, to to Beijing tomorrow, although she's the vice president. She can do that, too. I'm wondering what does it take for her to actually get down there? They don't want to talk about this. They don't want the American people to be focused on this much better to have the media running interference for the Biden left wing agenda by having us all arguing about every police involved shooting that that where the the person shot is a black man. We're supposed to spend all of our time now as a country fixated on those issues, those incidents fighting over them. No no matter how clear the shooting may be, by the way, as a legal matter, doesn't. Still have to talk about it because there'll be riots and looting and racism and systemic racism. And and meanwhile, the left wing Democrats keep marching forward with their agenda. They just keep pushing things through and the border is open. It's open. You know, all it takes is some basic knowledge, like having a child with you that's of a certain age. And you get to stay in America. It's all, all you have to do. You show up with a child at a certain age, say that person you know is in your care as a family member, and you will you will beat the whole U.S. immigration system. And there's going to be a big push for amnesty. They'll be quiet about it, probably going into the midterms. They'll go for it at the second part of Biden's first term, just in time for Biden to say, I'm too old. I'm actually going to hand this over to Kamala so she can run for her first term As president uh, who as a president has been elected after taking over, let's say, the last year of the Biden presidency. That's what I think is going to happen. But, you know, I was I was just down there. I was talking about it yesterday. And uh, we'll have a border special on the first TV on my show. Hold the line this Friday uh, at seven o'clock. So you should definitely check that out. If you don't, you can download the first TV app. It's free if you want to watch my show. Hold the line and you should watch it. It's on uh, it's on every every day. You can watch it on demand. Totally free. Uh, we're going to have a whole border special where I have all the footage that we, we took down there. But, you know, I, I've heard from some contacts of mine at the border and people who work on the on the security side of this, that uh, word has come down from D.C. Total lockdown now on anybody in the press, anybody in the media getting any access to see the things that I saw. They, they don't want people seeing the things that I saw. And this is in response, as you may have seen. I was on Tucker show last night, but also I've been tweeting and and uh, written at bucksexson.com about this and just been pushing the truth out there in every way that I can, talking about it here on a radio show that's on over 200 stations. And uh, they've, dropped the, they've dropped the hammer now on us. They've said uh, you, they, the Biden administration does not want people to know What's happening and certainly doesn't want people to get the kind of footage and access that I had. So now no one's no one's going to get access. I mean, Border Patrol, not going to talk to anybody. You know, I spoke to the head of the Rio Grande uh, sector. And he didn't do anything political. He just sat with me as a member of the press and told me what's going on there. I'm sure they hated that total lockdown now on access to what's going on at the border. How could that be? And, and notice, you're not going to hear a peep. You won't hear any protest from the journos about this. You won't hear anything from them about what's going on here. They're fine with it. They play for a team, and it's Team Democrat. So whatever has to happen to assist them in that process, whatever has to happen to, uh, to put points on the board for Biden and co., that's what they'll do. That is their view of the situation. And it simply doesn't matter that we have an open border. It doesn't matter that uh, there's a total ineptitude in this Biden administration when it comes to immigration policy. Democrats are, are fine with with the fact that this is a liability right now for Biden. Long term, Democrats view this as a strength because they're just importing their future voters in their minds. People more likely to be dependent on the state. And on the kind of Marxist philosophy and the equity-based policies that Democrats push all the time, uh, here's—I mean, it, it, look—it's—it's it's quite clear to me what's going on. And just be prepared for the fact that there's not going to be a whole lot of, a whole lot of coverage. We got down there right before the gate. They shut the gate after me. They're going to tell people, "Oh no, no one's going to, no one who works for the government is going to talk to opposition media anymore about the border," which is a shame. I mean, it just goes to show you how important it is to get the truth out, but our journalist industrial complex is going to be completely silent about this. They won't question it because remember, it's, it's debate that is frowned upon by our media. It's open discussion that they have a problem with now. They are authoritarians. They are the enforcers of consensus, whether it's on border issues or on COVID issues. Here's a, an MSNBC panel that's talking about how people shouldn't be able to talk openly about the vaccines and their feelings about them and their concerns about them. That that open debate is in fact a corruption in and of itself. Play two.
6: I don't know how the right got so far ahead on um, creating. Um, Such a political connotation around the conversation about vaccine passports. But again, down here on planet Earth, just about every college that has announced a back to school policy for the fall has announced a policy that includes proof of vaccination. Um, Pre-COVID, anyone with a, you, you know, parents have been turning in vaccine records for their children since the beginning of time. There are all sorts of things you have to do to travel to all sorts of different places. How has that debate become so corrupted so early? i don't know but it's bad um i live in a state that is uh, the state legislature is dominated by trumpers and they are busy making it illegal for a business to require a, a passport a vaccine passport and you're right this is nothing new um i remember you know having to show my children shots before they could go to school
0: uh, notice that they it's always about the Trumpers when it comes to the vaccine. See, these people, they, they politicize everything dishonestly. I saw the vaccine statistics for New York, which is where I live. And what group do you think has the lowest level of vaccination despite despite explicit efforts to put vaccination centers? Vaccines are free. You sign up online and they put them in uh Low-income, predominantly minority areas of New York City, right? Got to got to create greater equity through all this. Um, what do you think? Well, which group has the lowest levels of vaccination in New York right now? Which which uh, demographic category? African Americans. Something like uh, twenty some odd percent, I believe, are va- are fully vaccinated at this point. Other groups are. Uh, th- I think uh, whites are something like. Thirty five percent. Asians are over 40 percent. So vaccinated, we're talking about vaccinations now. But whenever there's the conversation about vaccine hesitancy, it's trashing Trumpers. They're the ones that have vaccine hesitancy. I sit here and I say I'm not anti-vax, but I've got questions. I got problems with this. And I mean, I've gotten a lot of vaccinations because of my time, especially my time in the CIA, but also I've gotten all the other standard vaccinations in my life that people get. Um, Why should I get vaccinated? I'm immune. I had COVID clear, clear as day, medically proven COVID. Now I'm now I'm good. I got to get vaccinated on top of my natural immunity. Why? Where's the data on that? Never. I never even hear anyone explain this. Oh, no, you should go get vaccinated. Why? My body already beat it. My immune system already killed COVID. So I got to go and get an injection for a vaccine that is going to try to get my body to replicate the response that I already had from the real thing. Natural immunity is generally and overwhelmingly more potent than the immunity you get from vaccines. Right. But. In this case, they say no. In this case, they say you got to do it anyway. So it's, it's the discussion. It's the debate itself that's the problem. Obey. Obey. There's this whole mindset of people who are just pathetic. They just go about their lives with such a cowardice. They just want to be a part of the herd and be safe and fed and warm and whatever they think that requires, they're willing to go along with. I mean, it's a good thing Fauci didn't tell everybody that you can, you know, you can protect yourself from COVID by, you know, electrocuting other people around you because there would have been a run on tasers. There would have been rolling blackouts all across the country as all these MSNBC, CNN watchers running around electrocuting everybody. Fauci said so. It's like the Milgram experiment, you know. Oh, you know, it's watching people just, ex- I mean, watching people electrocute people because an authority figure tells them to do it, right? So. This we we are running a Milgram experiment here where we're masking up little kids. It's disgraceful. Where you're double masking on airplanes and then pulling your mask down so you can eat your bagel and your coffee and whatever.
1: He ran on a progressive agenda. He talked about things like build back better and saying that the rich have to pay a fair share on their taxes. And now he is meeting that moment. He was out there with a big rescue package that was exactly what America needed. Now he's coming forward with a big infrastructure package that is exactly what America needs. So I see the president as as meeting
6: what America needs now. He is truly serving this country.
0: Oh, gosh. Elizabeth Warren wants here. know? Biden's got it. He's got exactly the right package for America. And, you know, he's just, oh, golly gosh, just doing what's needed. The rich people are going to pay for everything. And, you know, once once we get America going again, we can just unleash the Marxist lunatics and tax the bejeez out of all of you. Yeah, it's going to be great. A very left-wing administration. That's what you have now. It's not what was advertised. It's not what was offered during the actual campaign. But we are left with a very left wing administration, to be sure. And I think we should all at least understand that even Liz Cheney, who I'm hearing, is thinking about maybe running in 2024. That was the news story, because you know what this country needs right now some unnecessary foreign wars. That's what Liz Cheney's going to bring into the mix. That's what's really going to get us all going. Let's just, Iran is getting a little too mouthy these days. You know, a little too much lip from the Iranian uh, regime. So let's uh, let's go in there with 150,000 troops and get bogged down for a decade or two and try to rebuild a society that we don't want to be rebuilding at all. And this is crazy, of course. But, you know. Cheney legacy. There you have it. The Bush Cheney legacy. Notice that Bush not only look he, that he's personal friends with Michelle Obama. I, I believe in personal friendships and and, and allegiances um, on a person to person basis that transcend political boundaries. So I'm not going to pretend that that's some issue. I think it's fine. Uh, it, it's, it's you know, whatever. Right. I mean, you'd be friends with who you want to be friends with. Um, but I do think it's a problem that Bush is out there trashing The Republican Party of today as nativist and xenophobic and the Bushes were always bad. The Bush dynasty, because that's what it was, was always bad on the border, particularly uh, W. He was really bad on the border. But anyway, Liz Cheney knows that uh, this is pretty rough stuff. Play one.
6: And what we have seen so far in the Biden presidency is even farther uh, left policies than uh, we could have anticipated and certainly than he campaigned on. Uh, And when you go down the list of what we've watched happen, particularly, uh, as Mark mentioned, in the national security arena, we know that our adversaries are testing us. We know that they will test us. They test every new president. Uh, and they want to see what the responses are going to be. And so far, the responses that we've seen, whether you're talking about uh, the Biden administration response on Russia, the Biden administration policy towards Iran, uh, their lack of a real policy at this point towards China, uh, the world is testing us, and the, the president and the administration have demonstrated an inability to really understand and recognize how important it is to demonstrate strength, how important it is to make sure that we can, in fact, uh, deter our adversaries, that we can, in fact, make sure our allies can count on us.
0: I just, I, you know, the, the, the foreign policy obsession with with, you know, seeming, seeming so strong all the time that you get from the neocon wing of the GOP. It's uh, I feel like we've learned the lesson. I, I always say we've run the experiment. We've seen the results. Right. We know what ends up happening here. And this is not something to be replicated. And that's also why with all this uh, Iran talk, um, I, I find that my, my first instinct with all this is just I'm not I'm not going to be uh, OK with the war with Iran that I know there are people who are very powerful in the military industrial complex in this country want to see happen. I'm not going to let them if I can avoid it, if I can help not even let them get close to the war with Iran, and this is there are Democrats and Republicans who want it. That's right. Um, this is not something that's okay. You always got to remember that the Democrat administration, stretching back all the way to Clinton and uh, Obama, uh, they deployed troops into things. I mean, we we sent in, we really did air air power, but we were part of a military toppling of the government in Libya under the Obama administration because Hillary Clinton wanted to. Hello. Gaddafi's gone. I mean, that was the, that was the real brainchild of Hillary Clinton. And, and then there were open air slave markets of, of Christians and people being beheaded on video. And it was, you know, Libya turned into a, a complete nightmare afterwards, but it happened in the Obama administration. So the journos were pretty, pretty quiet about the whole thing. And then we had Benghazi and then, you know, Hillary of course somehow evaded accountability for all that. Cause she always does. Um, But don't ever forget that there are Democrats that like to get very involved, like to use the military for reasons that don't even benefit America. Oh, man, the experts these days, right? Oh, yeah, the institutions out there, whether it's the CDC or so many others. My oh my, they're not always getting it right, are they? You need to find the people that are actually bringing you the truth based on results. And that's why I want you to learn about my friends at Carnivore Trading. Carnivore trading folks believe that the stock market is on the verge of historic gains. I know that might seem counterintuitive, but it's true. They believe the biggest profits are going to come in sectors that even Wall Street experts miss. So are you doing some trading? Are you doing some investing? You need Carnivore Trading to guide you. They're an elite squad of strategists who influence major Wall Street investors with the trades that they're doing. And you can subscribe to Carnivore and get real-time text alerts of explosive trades that they're already making for their elite clients. You can actually mirror their trades with your discount broker or pass, but why would you pass when their trades routinely crush the S&P 500? And they guarantee you'll earn five times your monthly subscription or double your money back. Five times your monthly fee just by mirroring their trades. The market looks to be on the verge of a massive upswing. According to Carnivore, get off the sidelines and mirror Carnivore's trades now. Right now, you can get two weeks free. Visit GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guarantee terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings.
1: In tapes obtained by the New York Times, Iran's foreign minister says that former Secretary of State John Kerry informed him that Israel attacked Iranian interests at least 200 times. Um, you know, as the Secretary has shifted roles, uh, he still continues to represent the United States on a world stage. Does the President have any comment or reaction to Kerry telling the Iranians um, about covert military action on the part of Israel?
5: We're not going to comment on leaked tapes.
0: Not going to comment on leaked tapes, huh? Interesting. Not exactly a, a strong response from the White House press secretary there. What's really going on here with Kerry? We have our friend David Efoun with us right now. He's the editor-in-chief of the Algemeiner, which focuses on Jewish and uh, issues of the state of Israel, and we are joined by David. David, thanks so much for being here. It's always a pleasure, Buck. Tell me, what do you see here with these and tell the folks what these carry tapes are really all about first? I mean, let, let's just get into the overview of why this has turned into something of a media firestorm.
7: Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty uh, revealing. Um, you know, you're hearing these tapes, how the foreign minister of Iran, uh, Javad Zarif, speaks very frankly about all kinds of things, including dealings with the Americans and the process that led to the the JCPOA, the Iran deal, Uh, but also about how things work in Iran, the limitations on on power that he has, and how sort of the authoritarian regime is structured. So in many ways, it uh, really uh, shows us under the hood. Of, you know, the, the Iran deal and how the sausage is made, but also, you know, how the how the how the country is structured, how it works and how the Americans have been dealing with the Iranians.
0: So why is it that this information you think is coming out now?
7: Th- that's a good question. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> you know, a question of, you know, where this originated from and and, uh, you know, who, who, who was behind the leak, if you will, and, and what their intention was. I mean, there are a whole bunch of, of, of actors that have an invested interest in this information coming out. So I don't want to speculate on that without concrete information. Um, but certainly what it reveals is, is very valuable and insightful for anybody who's taking an ish, interest in the issue.
0: So you got you got to tell me, my friend, um, is this surprising at all for you that John Kerry? I mean, assuming that this is as it has been presented, it, it, what, what do you make of it?
7: Yeah, I mean, look, in the end of the day, this is, uh, you know, Zarif uh, speaking, frankly, true. But, you know, you need a little bit more uh, information to, to confirm that this is the case. I would definitely favor the approach taken by a number of leading Republicans, including Lee, Zellman, Lee Zeldin and uh, Senator Langford. Um, that there should be a, a Foreign Affairs Committee investigation. And this this is something that really has to be looked into. And, and we've got to get to the bottom of, of what the situation is. I mean, U.S. allies need to know and understand that they can trust and rely on the United States. Having said that, it is important to look at this issue within a broader context. And the broader context over here is that you have a, a situation where the Americans are proceeding with setting up a, 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 a de facto environment, national security environment in the Middle East, by rushing to reinstate the JCPOA, the Iran deal. The, 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 the people that are going to, to have to live with this more than, than anybody else are, are our allies in the region. That's Israel, the Saudis, the United Arab Emirates and others. And uh, it's, it seemed pretty clear that this administration could not care less about what their opinion is, about the, what their perspective is, what their concerns are. I mean, we saw on Friday, Jen Saki was asked about the Israeli delegation, very, very high-level Israeli delegation that's arrived in Washington this week. That's this the National Security Advisor of Israel. It's uh, the head of the Mossad, right, Israel's intelligence service. And she said before they even arrive that they would not be swaying the administration's views on re-entering the Iran deal. I mean, talking about adding insult to injury. You put all that together and you put that together with, with the pattern of, of, of leaks that we've seen from this administration, from the Obama administration, um, on you know, regarding Israel's activities in the region. And you can understand why there's going to be, uh, if there isn't already, a significant breakdown of trust between the United States and Israel over the dealings with Iran and the Iran nuclear issue and, and uh, the Iranian threat in general.
0: We're speaking to David Affoon. He's the editor in chief of the Alga Miner, which focuses on Jewish issues and issues involving the state of Israel. Uh, David, what do you think the Biden administration is trying to accomplish with Iran now? What, what, what is the Biden plan for Iran?
7: I mean, look, there are a couple of, 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 of angles that you can go uh, with in terms of trying to understand, you know, what they're thinking um, you know, one is obviously political that we're sort of, you know, just trying to undo everything that the previous administration did or reinstate the legacy of the Obama administration, which obviously Joe Biden was 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 uh, a part of of the leadership of. Um, but, you know, there, there, there are certainly, you know, that's that's, I guess, one one way of looking. Another way of looking at it is just a real complete misread of the Middle East and that they're still holding fast to this idea that the Iranians can be reformed. Despite the fact that there is all evidence points to the contrary, and that you know they've they've been who they are for the last forty years, and, and you know they're entrenched and theocratic and dictatorial, and uh, the, the chances that, that uh, Joe Biden or, or, or Rob Malley or Anthony Blinken are going to bring about any changes of their you know deeply held ideologies, um, you know really is is is, is a pipe dream. And, you know, the the more, you know, critical view of it and and even more disturbing and worrying view of it is that they see real value in in boosting the Iranian regime in terms of creating some form of of equilibrium in, in the region, which is, you know, one way of understanding what the Obama administration's approach to it was initially. Obviously, you know, that's proven to be exceptionally dangerous for our allies in the region when we start, you know, playing this game. And, or when the United States starts, starts playing this game. And, uh, you know, the repercussions, you know, have been seen. I mean, these different paths have been tried and tested. We saw what Obama did. We saw what Trump did. We saw the difference in how the Iranians responded. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> frankly, the approach that we're seeing today is, is, is real idiocy.
0: David, just what, what is it that, that worries you the most about what, could, what, what you believe is likely to happen in this part of the world under a Biden administration?
7: I mean, look, you have, uh, you know, we know that it's a, it's a tinderbox region. We know that uh, the, 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 the securing America's interest in the region is, you know, really a, a dam effect, you know, when you're sort of holding, you know, the most troublesome actors, you know, un, you know t- to the ropes. And, and boosting those that are interested in improving relations with the West, modernising their societies, advancing human rights—you know—that's when you get you know a better situation and, and a better result. I mean, the worst case scenario is that you have a, a regime that, you know, Iranian regime that is fully empowered, um, not just to pursue nuclear weapons uh, eventually, even even if the deal is reinstated—you know, it has a sunset clause. Um, they're also free to continue to pursue the international, inter, in, uh, the intercontinental ballistic missile program, which is not, you know, a part of these discussions. They're also flush with cash, you know, as a result of the sanctions being lifted, and able to invest in advanced weaponry that they're sharing with their regional proxies. And then you start to see countries in the region that, you know, could have gone um, into the American camp in terms of their allegiance, you know, getting fearful of. Iran's ascendancy and and uh, you know aligning themselves more with the, with the Iranian um, camp and uh, you know pr- perspective in the region so and and then obviously you know storm allies like Israel are, and its her citizens are, are living under the the the, the shadow of, of, of nuclear threat so I mean you put all that together and uh, there's a very 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 dark clouds on the horizon, you know, if, if this um, strategy plays out for all of our allies in our region, for our interests in the region, and uh, most importantly, for the safety and security for, of, of the, the citizens in the region who, who more than anything uh, have lived with conflict and want to achieve a, a, a you know, a peaceful, balanced equilibrium um, that allows them to move forward with their lives and seek better futures for their children and grandchildren.
0: David Affoon, Editor-in-Chief of The Algeminer, Go to algaminer.com for their latest on Jewish and Israel news and much more. David, always appreciate it, my friend. Thanks for joining.
7: Likewise, Buck, anytime.
4: Generally, for vaccinated people, outdoor activities without a mask are safe. However, we continue to recommend masking in crowded outdoor settings and venues, such as packed stadiums and concerts, where there is decreased ability to maintain physical distance and where many unvaccinated people may also be present. We will continue to recommend this until widespread vaccination is achieved.
0: CDC guidance out, and it's every bit as disconnected, delusional, and and absurd as I thought it would be. I mean the CDC, as I have told you so many times, is an abomination a bureaucratic monstrosity, and we are all suffering as a result of its ineptitude, of its, uh, of its ideological bent. It's the science, they say. No, it's not. It's about a government agency that has all of a sudden, after really being a second or third tier government agency for so many years, no one really paid attention to, uh, now they're, making policy that affects the whole country they say it's just guidance but every politician as you know at least all the democrat politicians and some republicans too say well i'll do whatever the cdc says they just outsource their judgment to the cdc because those are the experts here's what the actual i'm actually i'm reading it right now cdc.gov okay here's the actual guidance fully vaccinated people can Visit with other vaccinated people indoors without wearing masks or distancing. As in, you're fully vaccinated, you can see your family and friends. Gee, thanks, CDC. We already knew that. Visit with unvaccinated people from a single household who are at low risk for severe COVID-19 disease indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. Oh, thanks. Participate in outdoor activities and recreation without a mask, except in certain crowded settings and venues. So, this is the CDC. I just want to be clear saying, okay, you don't have to, when you go jogging, you don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. Okay, if you're vaccinated, this should be the guidance for everybody. But this is only the guidance for vaccinated people. uh, Resume domestic travel and refrain from testing before or after travel or self-quarantine after travel. No one was doing that. No one's been self-quarantining after travel. Just give me a blanking break, CDC. No one's actually doing that. Refrain from quarantine following a known exposure. No one was doing that. Refrain from routine screening if asymptomatic and feasible. Yeah, okay. For now, fully vaccinated people should continue to take precautions in indoor settings wearing a well-fitted mask. Well-fitted. Gotta make sure it's blocking off your ability to, you know, breathe normally. Remember in the uh, earlier days when it was, you know, wear a handkerchief. Wear a bandana. As long as it says Biden-Harris 2020 on it. You know, wear whatever you want. No big deal. Now they're saying a well-fitted mask. Oh, okay, okay, sure. Um, I will tell you that I have come across people. I may know a person very well, very well, who has discovered masks that are uh, thin enough that you can breathe normally through them, but look to uh, at least a passing glance like they're a mask mask and uh i'm just gonna put it out there that person has found that they are very useful because the psycho libs see a mask on your face but you can still breathe with it on so you know basically mesh but it can't if it's mesh that's too obvious then they'll actually have a problem it can't be like uh you know wide open um, but I've I've heard or seen from uh, some people that have had success with that. I'm just putting that out there. I, I I may have come across someone who even wore a mesh mask on a plane recently, or or knew knew of a person who did that. So you know, it's it's there are ways that people are maneuvering around this. Um, but this is the CDC showing us exactly. Uh, exactly how absurd and disconnected they really are. Um, This is the CDC showing everybody that they, they also will micromanage so many aspects of your life. They say this is guidance, but this gets turned into laws by a governing apparatus that no longer seeks the actual consent of the governed, which is why I've been so concerned about the growth of of tyranny in the last year because it's very real. We all can see it and are aware of it and know what's going on. So I, I think it's critical. I think it's absolutely essential that we look at this CDC guidance and call it for what it is. It's like they don't live in America. It's like they don't know what's going on in the rest of the country. And this is where we are now. They're admitting things now that we've known for over a year and they made us suffer through their dumbass policies. This is why people were driving alone in cars with masks on. People were walking down, you know, mountain trails or going jogging or biking alone outside with masks on. And so they are a year behind where the science is. How long do you think it'll be before they tell you you don't even have to wear a mask indoors anymore? I've been been telling you, next summer, the summer of 2022, will be the first time, unless we just start getting movements that push back, unless there's mass noncompliance in some parts of the country over this crap, you're going to be told, I know you say, oh, Buck, I don't have to do it. You go into a Costco, you're going to have to slap that mask on your face. You get on an airplane, they're going to slap that mask on your face. And some of them are going to want the, want you to do this forever. How do we get back to some common sense in our national discussion, in our approach to law enforcement? We've got our friend John Cardillo with us now, formerly of the NYPD, conservative commentator, following all this stuff very closely. John, great to have you. Uh,
8: Always good to see you, Buck.
0: Tell me this, man. What... What's it going to take? I mean, we, we've we've had now days of discussion about the Makia Bryan shooting and, all, you know, you had LeBron James weigh in, say accountability for the cop that looked like a textbook legal use of force, legal, lethal use of force. And yet there's still it just seems like we're drowning in anti-cop animus now, in large part, not just because the media, but because of the Biden administration, I mean, they're going to start doing all these federal investigations of local PDs. Well, what's going on?
8: Yeah, it's it's disgracefully demoralizing and it's going to take Well, you sort of answered the question. It's going to take a political sea change I mean, the Seattle Police Department just lost 66 officers. Now you say, well, 66 cops, big deal. Well, that's five percent. Five percent of their deployable sworn manpower. That's a big deal. When you think about the fact that a department typically runs on four shifts, when you look at special units. So now you're talking about that's almost a, a half, uh, in some instances, or a quarter of a deployable shift. That is, is an egregious, an egregiously bad manpower deficiency. You're seeing that in agencies around the country. The Philadelphia Police Department can't recruit cops. The NYPD can't recruit cops. I had a conversation down here in Florida. Florida Highway Patrol cannot recruit new troopers. So what happens? Well, you've got minimum staffing, right? So now you start, you start decreasing the standards. You bring a poor caliber of person onto the job, maybe somebody with felony records, maybe somebody with drug use, because you don't have a choice. You need the coverage. And then the problems become worse because now you're not just seeing the public perception of use of force incorrect because of democratic politicians. You're seeing actual drug dealing and corruption and abuse no one wants to see a 16 year old girl shot buck no one's being cavalier about that but there were two options shoot her or have her gut that other girl disembowel her and kill her that cop had no choice this is political at this point it's not about policing
0: john i am wondering when we're going to hear more from some of the the voices out there I mean you know, there's a, a whole a whole bunch of folks I know many of them are personal friends of yours, right but the the Brattons and the Carricks and the Kellys and and mm-hmm. people who are known for having run large you know, large police departments successfully bringing down crime. I, I never hear anybody who knows anything about law enforcement talking about how cops are actually the problem and what we really need is, you know, increased federal oversight of local PDs and all this. It comes from politicians and from lawyers at the DOJ. And I'm, I'm just wondering what it's going to take for there to be the, the pushback from actually knowledgeable people about this.
8: You know, that's such a great point. And so let's dig into a quick nuance about the names you mentioned. Then I'll throw another name in there. Uh, Detroit PD, uh, PD Chief Craig, right? So you take Bernie Carrick, a very close friend of mine. Bernie's a pretty conservative, pro-Trump right-wing guy. Bill Bratton and uh, Ray Kelly, you know, more moderate guys, conservative Democrats in some instances, moderate Republicans. And then you take Chief Craig in in Detroit, a Democrat, a black Democrat. But you know what? They all get along. They all chat and they all agree that this is mind-blowingly stupid. And a public safety crisis they they understand that none of this needs to be political you need the cops to go in there and fight crime and be accountable when they do wrong but you can find chiefs except guys like art acevedo who was out in houston who's a committed you know there are some people that wear the stars on their shoulder but they're truly democrat activists he's one of them now he's coming down to south Florida. it's going to be disastrous But by and large, these people who have run big agencies, no matter their personal politics, well, they're pragmatists. They know. They know full well. This is why, Buck, I suspect you're not hearing a lot of criticism of the police from Congresswoman Val Demings, right? She's a Democrat, a black woman. She was an impeachment manager. But Val Demings actually had a very good reputation as the police chief of Orlando, Florida. And there were oftentimes when she was accused of being too aggressive and letting her cops be too hands on and she defended her cops and she said things like, well, it's either the good guys or the bad guys we want to protect kids. She's very pragmatic when it comes to running a police department. She's been very silent on this. Of course, the media is not going to report that. So so the, the, the common sense among chief law enforcement officers often does, unless they're the really worst kind of partisan hacks, it really does transcend politics. And that's why you're not hearing from them. It doesn't fit the narrative.
0: We're speaking to John Cardillo, formerly of the NYPD, conservative commentator. And John, I, I'm I'm amazed as well that there isn't more of, of a sense of of uh, anger in in city. You know, I, I feel like the anger is all directed at the cops and the media is, of course, fedding those flames all the time instead of the people who are pushing for these decisions, who are defunding. You know, I was just in Austin, Texas. I met with a member of the city council there, somebody who listens to one of my one of my shows. And and she took me around City Hall or and, and, and we discussed what's going on in the city of Austin. They defunded cops by one hundred and fifty million dollars. OK, right. guess what? Doubled their murder rate last year uh, over the last 12 months. Crime up all across the board, all kinds of crime from the smallest things, you know, urination in public and, you know, harassing people on the streets with the, the vagrants all the way up to murder and rape and the terrible things that, that can happen in high-crime areas. Uh, it, we, we've, we're we seeing this play out in place after place, and yet there, there's almost— it, it's like there's an, an immunity to facts from the defund the police folks and the Democrat Party and the Biden administration. I mean, putting a DOJ investigation in the Louisville Department because of the Breonna Taylor shooting? Breonna Taylor's boyfriend was fired—shot a cop! Yeah, he
8: shot a cop. And so and now there's a lot of strong evidence that she was firing a weapon as well. The narrative that she was in bed and shot is is, is, has been debunked. Breonna Taylor was a drug mule. Her vehicle was listed on the warrant. Law enforcement had her under surveillance delivering drugs for the boy, the ex-boyfriend. The boyfriend in the home was firing at police. He told the police she had a gun and was firing at the police. It's a ridiculous case. But here's what it's going to take. And New York City saw this in the uh, early uh, 1990s, right? A lot of people forget, Buck, that Rudy Giuliani lost his first bid for the mayoralty in New York City in 1989 against David Dinkins. Crime was was rampant. So Dinkins comes in, and he's kind of a do-nothing Dinkins. He was your classic Democrat political hack, wanted to make money on the office. He did nothing. Crime continued to rise. He took a typical pandering tact. But he wasn't a proactively bad guy like a de Blasio. His inaction enabled crime numbers to rise. But when the crime started hitting Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue in Midtowns and tourists in the theater district and the subways, but not in the Bronx or East New York, Brooklyn, subways in Midtown and Wall Street, that's when people woke up and said, OK, all the Democratic platitudes are nonsense. It's starting to affect the people with money, the people who vote, the people who make the city run. Rudy Giuliani won in 93 in a landslide, and, and that's what it's going to take because right now we're seeing these incidents, but they're still happening in the bad areas, the poor areas, the urban areas, predominantly black, Hispanic areas. When they start creeping in to the Miracle Mile in Chicago and North Shore Drive and Park Avenue, Fifth Avenue in New York City and Brickell in Miami, we're going to start seeing the tolerance for these Democrat policies end very quickly.
0: We're speaking to John Cardillo, former NYPD and, and conservative uh, radio and, and TV host. And, uh, John, um, I, I just see these things happening and, and the, these movements, the you know BLM movement and, and the way that all this is being framed in the media. And I always think we've seen the crime rise all across the country. We know where this is coming from. We know that people are suffering. People are dying because yeah. of this anti-cop narrative. And, and there's also there's no there's actually no upside. What I would say, other than the the virtue signaling that people who are generally unaffected by this crime, whether it's the you know the BLM founder who lives in Topanga Canyon in a million in a million, uh, one point four million dollar house, now it comes out spends tens of thousands of dollars on conferences at a Malibu beachside resort. I mean, you know,
8: we weren't invited to those. Bars.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't you know this is uh, this is good living. This is a good situation for some for some folks, and and you know they're not affected by it. But there's no benefit. And it's kind of amazing to me at some level that we only see the marches right now. We see marches from people if they do live in high crime areas, you know, if they are in in parts of Detroit or Baltimore or St. Louis or cities or New York, for that matter. uh, They're blaming cops entirely. And they don't seem to understand that there doesn't seem to be a recognition of the fact that things are getting worse in those communities because there are less cops.
8: Of course, there. are. I mean, Maxine Waters is the perfect example. The woman lives in a four and a half million dollar home, in a, in a very ritzy suburb of Los Angeles. She doesn't live in her low income, high crime district. It's it, it's the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party. They're limousine liberals. They, they, if you remember when uh, uh, Univision's George Ramos was ranting against immigration, ranting against immigration. Well, I went down to his neighborhood. It's it's a neighborhood called Coco Plum, and it's it's an exclusive neighborhood in. Coral Gables, Florida, so a a very ritzy area of Coral Gables, and this is a gated community, incredibly affluent. Double-digit millions, some of the homes are worth. Many of the homes are worth. Not only does it have gates and high walls, but there's a uniformed police car sitting at the guard gate 24 hours a day. Meanwhile, he was ranting against walls and against police. The hypocrisy is mind-blowing. These people live behind gates in multi-million dollar homes, guarded by off-duty uniformed police officers in marked cars, while ranting against the same. And it's out there on public display, but of course the media won't report on it because they want to be invited to those dinner parties behind those walls protected by those cops.
0: Do you have any thoughts on this? The latest one here is the you know the Andrew Brown shooting in Elizabeth City, uh, North Carolina. This is the yeah. one that the movement, the BLM movement, they're moving away from the Makia Bryant case to this case now. What are your thoughts on this one?
8: You know, it's interesting. I, right before we went live, I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, spent 30 years with a large police department in South Florida as a detective, uh, most of the, and his wife is one of the commanders there now. And we were talking about this case. And one of the things that, one credit, uh, piece of credit I will give, the family is being incredibly restrained. They're keeping their comments right now to, we just want to see the video. And they're asking people not act crazy not to riot and it seems to be working look the fact pattern as we know it though is this the guy was 40 years old he had 10 kids he was driving a new bmw and law enforcement has released that they have multiple multiple uh pieces of surveillance evidence of him buying and selling narcotics and large distribution weight amounts they went to serve a narcotics warrant he takes off so i suspect that in the final analysis this is probably going to be justified. And I suspect that because if not, I think the agitators that know what the family saw on the 20 seconds video they were given, they know that it's not going to go the way BLM helps it goes. So hopefully there's no unrest. The case is resolved quietly and peacefully. And this one just fades into the history books.
0: Just real quick, John, sounds like for a lot of cities, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And so, yeah, this is just where we are. Is that your is that your take?
8: Uh, absolutely. hundred percent.
0: Oh, man. This is what happens when people vote for Democrats, folks, whether yep. at the city or <laughs> at the national level. And we're going through it again. John Cardillo, XMYPD commentator. Guys, follow him on Twitter, on Facebook. John, always appreciate your perspective, my man.
1: Thanks, my friend. Talk soon. Right. And that's the real question. Does anybody believe that their taxes aren't going to go up? And oh, by the way, President Biden's already broken his original pledge because he said it was going to be four hundred thousand dollars a family. Now it's going to be four hundred thousand dollars a person. And we know that's not even going to hold because their spending uh, just keeps getting more and more. I mean, they're doubling and tripling the amount of money that they're borrowing and spending and all on things that have nothing to do with infrastructure. You look at the latest infrastructure plan, more than 75 percent of that is nothing to do with roads and bridges and broadband uh, and ports. Uh, so again, it begs the question, what are they spending that money on? And, and of course, you'll look at the details. It's the Green New Deal. It's we will have a higher tax rate than communist China in America if Biden and Pelosi get their way. Uh, and that means we have less jobs. Those entry level workers, the middle class that President Trump was bringing back when we cut taxes, uh, those jobs will all start going away again. Uh, I don't think that's what America uh, bargained for when when Joe Biden ran. And ultimately, when you look at how they're governing in a very far left socialist way, uh, America's still a center right nation. We don't want to see socialism come to our front door.
0: People thought that, oh, Bernie Sanders didn't win. So I guess that means that the Democrat Party is not actually a, a socialist party the way that it, it seemed like it was trending that way. But now nah. see what the Democrat Party is. They, they're very, uh, very adept socialists. Because they know that in, in transitioning this country to greater authoritarian government control and uh, in, in making all these moves and, and going to these extremes, things like the Green New Deal to fight climate change, people are out of their minds. And this is this is just bonkers. But they understand they can't get us where they want to go unless they lie about where they're trying to take us. That is an essential thing. Component of this. It is an essential component of this. And so that's very important for you to remember. Right. They can't take us to the place that they want to eventually get to without misleading the American people in the meantime about who they are, what they are. Look at the Biden campaign. Look at the way that he pretended to be something other than that, which he was. Right. Oh, yeah. He's just a moderate. He's so moderate. We actually had Democrats running around saying they were concerned that he would be too conservative. Yeah, right. What is one thing that Biden has done that would in any way upset the left wing base so far? Nothing. And look at all the things he's done that have been uh, a clear nod to the left wing socialist base of the Democrat Party. But. This is what they. This is what we warned about. Didn't matter. People were still fooled. Oh, they thought Trump was so bad. That's what we were told. Here's uh, Senator Blackburn on the capital gains tax we're dealing with here. Play three.
6: And now they're going, hey, wait a minute. You mean doubling the cap gains tax just as we're putting together expansion plans? So talk about a wet blanket. This is going to be a wet blanket thrown on the economy. It is something that is going to hurt the markets. It's going to hurt equities. It's going to hurt small business expansion. I think that uh, there is no doubt this would cripple the comeback from COVID.
0: It's definitely slowing it down. And what really is the benefit of this? Especially when you're talking about stuff involving climate change. How does this make anybody better off? Well, there'll be some people that are, have their snouts at the, at the trough of the government here and they're going to get some, some goodies, government, whether it's loan guarantees or just grants or funding or whatever it may be. There'll be people that benefit. There always are. But for the, just everyday folks for the average American so much of this spending is is incredibly wasteful and there's going to be inflation I I know we're always told don't worry it's uh you know the economy will just continue on as is I I really believe that we're going to hit a period of real inflation I think in fact a lot of ways the inflation we experience is, is already hidden I mean the way they calculate inflation is a joke you know healthcare, housing food raw materials these things get more expensive and somehow doesn't show up in the actual index they use the basket they use to gauge inflation but strap in it's going to be a rough ride with these democrats in charge All right, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or TeamBuck at iHeartMedia.com, com for all the latest and greatest in uh, in the world of Team Buck, so do check that out. we got all kinds of things going on there. And uh, Producer Mark, just checking in with you, buddy. How's it all going?
9: It's going well. Different day, new stuff, or same stuff. You know there's the dirty way of saying that. I can't say that out there, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, 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 you know, just... Stay, staying in the fight, staying in the fight anything uh, anything that you know you're excited about now yeah hey, you can go outside without a mask on now and not I upset know. Rochelle Walensky of the uh, CDC:
9: I'm glad I when I, I did go uh, to the Met game a couple weeks ago I, I was not wearing the mask in the seats.
0: They, really they weren't enforcing that they
9: didn't they, you can't enforce 10,000 people spread out across a 50,000 seat ballpark. You know, I know you don't watch baseball very often, but if you watch the games, you see they show the crowd shots. Very few people are actually wearing the mask.
0: Yeah, because it's dumb, which which now even the CDC admits, although they still want you to wear it at a baseball game. But what if it's a socially distanced baseball game? Then you shouldn't wear it.
9: Yeah, which is that that's what at least that's what that was. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I mean, and by the way, even if it's not socially distanced, it's garbage. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just the guy who keeps being right. Keeps being right, telling people this stuff for a long time. It is what it is. Andres writes in, "Howdy, team. I'll keep it short. Rob Smith's presence in your absence was outstanding. Thanks for including Rob in the HUD. I enjoy his tempo and perspective. Great show, Shieldside. Andres, glad you enjoyed Rob. He's a buddy of mine. He's a you know a rising uh, rising star in the conservative media movement, and you know I, I'm somebody who. And I'm just going to tell you guys a little secret from the radio world. Some hosts prefer to have guest hosts who will make the audience miss them, if you know what I mean. I try to get guest hosts always who will do a great job, make the best use possible of your time, and make this the best show it can be every day. So I'm just saying that's my approach. Because that's how I value your time and your um, your loyalty to Team Buck and to this show. So we try to get the best guest hosts we can. But you know, producer Mark, maybe it'd be fun to throw sometime uh, just like throw in some some crazy lib who's just like, oh my gosh, like I'm just like wearing three masks and like I don't even know what the Freedom Hut is, and you know, and because that, that everybody would miss me.
9: No, uh, but we might lose people, and um, that's not the goal.
0: Yeah, that's probably if we true.
9: wanted people to miss you, but not lose any listeners, we'd let me host the show for three hours talking sports.
0: But then the, the sports people would like that.
9: Exactly. And the news people who are just here for you would just say, eh, all right, I'm going to listen when Buck's back. But they wouldn't yeah, be angry enough. at the sports talk.
0: Do you think Do you, if, if I just told you go three hours, talk about sports, you think you, you think you could pull that off right now?
9: Off the top of my head. I mean, yeah. I could do a decent job. You need to prep just like you need to prep for a new
0: show. Right, you know, right. I'm amazed how much uh, how much sports talk there is out there, actually, how many uh, hosts there are and and podcasts and everything else it's it's uh it's, it's a lot. there's a lot of it.
9: Well, because sports is a hyper local thing, you know, I don't want to hear you know I'm a Mets fan. I don't want to hear you talk about the Colorado Rockies. so why would I listen to Colorado sports talk radio or even national sports talk radio that you know uh, sports is a very localized thing. that's why there's so many hosts. Because you need one
0: in every market. Makes sense. Yeah, I know there's some places where even the the college sports talk radio is a really big thing. So, you know, learn new things all the time. All right, Alex, back to our roll call here. Buck, Bush 43 has always been a conundrum for me. I never felt that he was remotely conservative. In fact, when I think of him, I can't really think of anything but blunderous agriculture and education policies. Rampant federal overreach and his appointment of the most unprincipled justice the Supreme Court has ever seen. And no, I don't count being a neocon as actually being conservative. It's kind of sad. The only major positive I could think of was his response to 9-11. I always felt that we were forced to defend him because the alternatives were so much worse and the media's attacks on him were often relentless and ridiculous. But recently, he's been giving hints about how he feels about the people who had his back for so many years and he, last week, made it abundantly clear how he sees us. It's nice to have a full sense of closure on this long and painfully awkward relationship. He can go join Mitt Romney and Joe Scarborough as a conservative false flag propaganda piece for the left. Shields high and no longer defending the Bushes. Um, you know, Alex, yeah, I, I find Bush post-presidency to be very, uh, very disappointing in a lot of ways. And the more I think about the actual Bush presidency, there were some big disappointments there, too. And. You know, people hear that, and, and I understand when we're under so much assault from the woke left and, and dealing with so much craziness from Democrats all the time, our initial impulse is often going to be, well, come on, Buck, we got we got to defend our own team, right? He's he's one of ours, and I get that, but we also need to remember what's true and what really happened under his presidency, and I think it, it's very hard. I think it's very hard for anyone— um, to make the case that Bush was a, an all-around successful presidency. I mean, I, I know he, he made it for eight years. So much of it was just consumed by the uh, global war on terror, the invasion, invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan, 9-11. But he presided over what was a, a an economic, major economic downturn. I mean, the, the Great Recession, as it was called. And as a result, you know, he handed power over To a very left wing. I mean, Barack Obama was the most left wing member of the United States Senate when he was running in 2000 and uh, 2008, the most left wing. And Bush handed it over to the Democrat Party with Barack Obama at at the head of it. And they had free reign to do a lot of things because Bush was blamed Bush was blamed for the collapse that occurred. It did occur on his watch. I know this story all the way going all the way back to the you know community. Uh, what was it? The CFRA, the community. I forget. I oh, know the yeah. I, I, there was the uh, policies of of banks stretching back really to the to the seventies that were changed as a matter of social engineering, and then that was built on, and then it was monetized and commoditized and F- Freddie May and Fannie Mae uh, and Freddie Mac, whoops. Uh, and and all those things that happened, I understand it wasn't just Bush, but it was not a good legacy. And I think that Bush now, look, he's old That he wants people to like him and he was just put through a beating for eight years, that guy. I mean, you look at how, yeah, I know eight years is a long time, but you look at how much he aged. You look at how much he was just run down and i i think that uh he left a really a a shadow of his former self that after eight years all right robert hey buck and producer mark well you did it buck you beat our vp border czar to the border boots on the ground thanks for the insights and firsthand account of your trip am i crazy or does it feel like fauci is positioning and preparing us for more restrictions not less this coming summer well, Robert, yes, it is a fact that I beat Kamala Harris to the border. Yay, me! And I've now been to the, I've now been on three uh, field reporting trips to the border: San Diego sector, El Paso, and uh, Rio Grande sector. So essentially, San Diego, El Paso, uh, McAllen are the three parts. So I've really covered this border pretty extensively now, at least in terms of territory, and have a very good sense of what's going on. Why isn't Kamala going down? Why hasn't she gone down? Because she doesn't see any advantage in it. Uh, Because it'll just draw attention to what's clearly a Biden administration-created crisis. And they don't want that. They want to control the optics of this. And they understand that that's a very difficult thing to do, when the entire press corps is going to have to at least say, oh, Kamala's at the border, I guess this is a story now. And yeah, I, I know what they would do. They would focus on the humanitarian side of it and how there's a, a you know fundamentally decent approach from the Biden-Harris administration that didn't exist under the Trump administration. I know all the stuff that they would say, but just reminding the American people of it, because there's so much data, because there's so much information already out there about how the border is open, that for Kamala to go down would, would inherently draw attention to this. And it is a failure. It is a failure of the Biden administration. And it's one that's just going to get worse. It's, it's one that is not they're not able to stop the problem, largely because they don't want to stop the problem. They like the illegal immigration that's going on. It improves the Democrats' prospects for long-term power. And so when that's your attitude, I mean, how, how can you have anybody focusing on this? Because they've got it the same way they had to pretend that Biden was some kind of a moderate or, or even a, a centrist to get him elected, which was nonsense— They're pretending that they agree with the majority of the American people who view the southern border as a crisis. But in reality, they just want people to not pay attention to it. It would be sufficient to get people to ignore it. And if they ignore it, that's enough. So that's why Kamala hasn't made her way down to the border. Back now with Roll Call. Here here we go. We got remember if you want to be a part of Roll Call, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton or teambuck at iheartmedia.com if you want to email us. Make sure you're following me on Instagram and on, uh, on Twitter as well, Buck Sexton. And we've got David. Hey, Buck, did you see the Oscar ratings? Under $10 million, which is less than half in 2019. Why do you think that happened, Shields high. Oh, David, there's a lot of reasons. And I'm very pleased to see what I believe to be a change here. For years, conservatives have trashed things like the Oscars, and I put myself in this category, too. We trashed the Oscars, but even if we knew it was going to be woke garbage that was generally celebrating politically correct uh, movies that people didn't even really want to see and that aren't particularly entertaining, even with all of that, we felt obligated at some level to watch at least some of it because it was enough of a thing. It was enough of a thing that it had to be watched. And then you could trash it. But remember, if you're a conservative, you did that. You were still watching it. Now, I'm talking about media people like me, not not all of you. This year, I don't even know anybody who watched this. People just don't care. And they shouldn't care. And this is a huge step in the right direction. Hollywood is constantly kicking at the load-bearing walls of our American civilization. Hollywood is damaging now uh, to our sense of, of unity and shared history and purpose in America undermines our culture, instills the wrong values. And, you know, I'm not somebody who doesn't want to give artists a lot of, a lot of freedom to create and all that. stuff. So, no, I think that's great, but they're actually not creating they're, they're mouthpieces for those in power. They're not being creatives. They're being propagandists. and And that's, what's so funny about the whole thing. It's that's, the, the truth of the situation as it plays out before us. Uh, plus, they just, they celebrate. I don't even know what the movies were. I don't even know what was nominated. I don't even care. They're, Hollywood doesn't make good movies really anymore. That's another uh, aspect of this. People have gotten very used to on-demand and on-demand, you know, shows that are an hour or 20 or 30 minutes even in duration. And you're, the best stuff is all being made into series now. And it's going on the streaming platforms. You know, the, the a lot of the, the traditional cable channels, even, they're not making the best shows. I mean, you know, there's... AMC still does some pretty good stuff. I mean, there are exceptions. But it's all, you know, HBO and the and the and those pay channels and the streaming platforms making the, at least, more interesting content. And then the... Big release Hollywood films, garbage, garbage. And the stuff that gets Oscars, no one even sees it. No one even sees it. So there you go. John writes, hey, Buck, there is a scene in The Princess Bride where Fessick says, why do you wear a mask? Were you burned by acid? Man in Black says, I think everyone will be wearing them someday. How prophetic. My next question is, why don't you throw in movie quotes so much anymore? That's some old school fun. Bring it back. Hey, John. Well, you know, we used to do action movie quote Friday. and We would have people call in and they would try to stump me on the fly with an action movie quote. But we, we didn't want people to, you know, that's a very specific thing. We don't want people to feel either left out or, or if, if there weren't a big action movie watcher. Or also, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm not making the best use possible of their time. You know, we need variety in the show and we need to hear from you, which is why we have roll call. But I try to make the best use of every minute you give me with your ears across the country. I view that as precious. And so I'm putting everything I have into it, telling you the most important stuff I can. And sometimes what's most important is to relax, to have a laugh, to joke around. And I get that, but, I don't know, I, I no one has even written in about action movie quote Friday, I feel like, in years at this point. So I appreciate the suggestion, and obviously I enjoyed it back in the day. It's something we'll, it's something we'll think about. It's something we'll think about. And I, I like having new ways of reaching this audience, new ways of talking to everybody, or, or I should say communicating with everybody. So something we'll, uh, we'll consider. Seth! Hey, Buck and Mark, it's hard to feel like the world isn't going insane lately. Take just the media uh, trumpeted shootings by police lately. How is it that not one public official goes on TV and says that while it's terrible that the event occurred, it could have been avoided if only the suspect had followed police commands? Like millions of Americans uh, have had interactions with law enforcement. I have. Uh, I listen to what they say, and I'm respectful. That it all works out. Amazing how that works. It is is personal responsibility gone. Shields high. Uh, Seth, yeah, I, I think that we're all seeing the narratives that are in play about police are not. It's not about the facts. It's not about reality. It's about emotions and power. And that's why it's so useful to Democrats. That's why it's so important to them to push these. These stories at the, the, the very top of the national news cycle and national conversation. So that's something that I think we all we all need to pay attention to. Um, folks, that's going to be the show for today. Back tomorrow. Same time in place. Pass the buck. Tell somebody about the Buck Sexton show this week. Share the podcast with them. Text it to them. Email it. Email it to them. Shields high.